welcome to the Shed Podcast. I am your host, Tia Marie Arnold. Um, thank you for joining me. As um, I say all the time, I am so grateful and so thankful that you guys come and listen to the podcast. Today um, is another special episode because I am here with the love of my life, Jeffrey Lynn Arnold Jr. Hello, hello, everybody. Listen to that voice. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so um, my husband will be joining me today. It is the Jeff and Tia podcast takeover. And so <laughs> I am excited that he is here. And since he is here, and if you guys don't know much about Jeff and Tia, we actually have a ministry together. Uh, we've kind of been like in hiding lately because we've had a whole lot of transition. Well, we've been in prayer about what's next and... And in hiding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, we really haven't been doing much, but what our ministry is about is we go around and we're like musical missionaries. We love to um, bring a spirit of worship into atmospheres and we call down heaven and we pray that it's always genuine and pure um, and so we sing and uh, Jeff plays and produces and writes and I sing. And so what we do is we have... And produce and write. Oh, yeah, I do mm-hmm. do all that. Well, yes, you do. I do. Thanks. Thanks, boo. Um, so, but that's what we do. And so the takeover, we're going to kind of try to uh, keep it in that realm, but we're going to talk about um, celibacy today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did know that. I knew. Yes, you did. I was like, okay, do I play along like he just found out or no? But we, um, yeah, it's a big story actually of of how we met. And it's a big part of just the foundation of our relationship. Sure. Yeah. So we are going to talk about that today. But to start the podcast off, our share today is actually going to be a Jeff and Tia song called You Are My Hope. So take a listen and we will join you after the song is over. come true in you is everything I need the source of life alive in me in you I can live and breathe speak to my disease speak and demons flee your peace in the midst of my struggles in the midst of In the midst of my tears, strength in the midst of my weakness. 
Well, there it is, folks. Mm, I still love that song. I know. I know. So you know what? What I was thinking about listening to that, um, I was reminded that you actually wrote that chorus. I did. Yes. Can you share with us where you were in that moment, if you can remember? Ooh. um, Yeah, it was pretty much from a place of, you know, in the midst of where I was at at the time. You know, I just, I remember just feeling a certain way, but, you know, knowing that he would be my peace in the midst of whatever struggles I was facing and and my, my, my faith in the midst of, you know, the fears. I, I was in a place where, you know, I was fearful about some things. You know, I was, you know, in the midst of some things. And so it was pretty much a decoration um, from where I was at, just declaring that despite of what I feel or what I may fear, that um, I'm, I'm going to lean on him to be my peace and my hope and my strength. Uh, so, what I mean, were some of those things point. you were fearing? Uh, it's been a while. Um, so, I don't necessarily remember exactly. Well, what typically, from I'm sure just from conversations we had, I know it's like sometimes it's, you know, being a husband, being a father. Yeah. Or, you know, I was just going to say, yep, that that's probably most likely. That tends to be typically, you know, where the weight's coming from, just, you know, being a good father, being successful for my family, uh, being a good husband before before fatherhood. <laughs> Wife comes first, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, just in those moments, just, you know, not wanting to fail your family, not wanting to fail as, as a husband or a father or feel like you're failing, you mm-hmm. know, feel like my family's suffering because of something I may or may not be doing, um, stuff like that. So taking those fears and applying your faith to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and even things that, you know, I may not be in control over and just the enemy attacking in certain areas or just life and circumstances that, you know, are just kind of adding that weight to you. And you just, you know, sometimes you're wondering you know, where God is, but you're just trusting and believing and declaring that, you know, no, you are my peace, you are my joy, and you are my strength, you know, in the midst of all these aspects of life that we face. Yeah. mm -hmm. Well, that song has blessed my whole life. And even just listening to it, it's still like, man, it's still the prayer of my heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's what makes this song just so special. I knew it was from God because I, I don't know what we recorded this back in 2015. Wow. I know, right? So it's 2019. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still carrying such a, well, like you said, it's still carrying a declaration. Yeah. You know, that. I think will always be important for believers that your hope has to be in Jesus and you're going to face fears. You're going to face tears. You're going to have weaknesses. You're, you're going to be overwhelmed in life, Yeah, but he can handle all those things as long as we're anchored in him. Right. And you know, it's always a reminder because at any point in your life, even when you overcome certain fears and certain things in your life, 
you never know when that next wave is going to come. That's right, yeah. And, you know, so it, it kind of becomes timeless and or it becomes a constant reminder of, of just setting your hope in Christ, no matter, you know, what part of your life you're in. That's good. All right. Well, we're going to go into our heart segment. Are you ready? Well, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. So um, like I said before, we are going to talk about celibacy. And um, as I was listening to that song, I thought, well, this mm-hmm. is kind of appropriate even for someone that's living a celibate life. Because okay. you, um, the fear part of it made me think about, well, I could just say for me when, and I'll, and I'll back up in a little bit and tell the story, but when I made that decision to live a celibate life, there was a fear that, is anybody going to be okay with this? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So I had to have faith that I was doing what I believed in my heart to do and know that God was going to have somebody there for me. So celibacy is the topic you all okay so we're gonna jump right on into it so when um jeff and i met i was oh man i think i was in my sixth year of celibacy so wow yeah i was celibate for eight years eight years um looking back on it i can honestly say it was nothing but god that kept me Mm -hmm. um And so let me tell you why I was a hot mess before I received Christ. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I, yes, I had a a sexual lifestyle and I I wouldn't say it was a lifestyle, but if, if the right one said the right things and I was in, you know, just wherever I was in my life, it could have went down. And so um, I was, and I could talk about this in front of my husband, but I was dating. I don't even think I was dating this guy. Like we kind of were like having a relationship or whatever. Okay. And um, I don't know, like something just came over me out of nowhere. And now I could say it was God. But in that moment, I just thought I knew like having a sexual lifestyle before marriage was wrong. Um, And I hadn't given my life to Christ yet but I had grew up in church so Mm -hmm. I knew I just knew it was wrong yeah and out of nowhere I just said I don't want to do this anymore um I can say the root of that decision was um every time I every time I did have sex um before marriage I felt terrible yeah I felt so guilty I was scared that am I gonna get pregnant you know is my life about to fall apart what if I catch a disease but I I mean I had so much dude like (laughs) all the Mm -hmm. stuff that like came in my mind at that time I just did not have a peace of course not because I was wasn't living right I was living in sin yeah um but I I I just didn't like that feeling anymore. Um, and I was kind of tired of that. And I was like, okay, why don't you just stop putting yourself in those situations Mm -hmm. so you don't have to worry about all that guilt and being worried and this and that, you know? So that was kind of like at that moment, that's, that was my reasoning. Uh I didn't know it was God hooking me. Okay. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know. So, um, me and this guy had, we were, we have had relations before. And so immediately in my mind, which goes back to the song, I was talking about that fear. So I had made the decision. I really felt strong. Like I am not going to have sex anymore. I don't want to do it. It's just, I don't like what, what it's doing. And so I knew I had to tell him yeah. and 
Of course, there was that moment of like, well, this may end our relationship, but the love of God in me, there was just something in me that just said, who cares yeah. what he thinks? I'm not doing it. Right. Okay. Good, good for you. Yes. <laughs> so I, and I did. So the next time I saw him, it was like, um, you know, and we were, I was in college. He wasn't in the same college I was, but I think this is my, like my first year of college. I got saved my second year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So the next time I saw him when I went home, I told him, I'm like, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. That's just not, I, I I just don't like the way it feels. And I just feel really strongly about it. And yeah. he was all right with it. But it, yeah, the relationship didn't last long. And mm-hmm. I was okay with that. But I had some sense of like, I'm I'm doing something right. I felt it. I knew yeah. I was doing something right. And I knew whatever I was doing was bigger than me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was, that was a journey. That started you on your celibacy. That started it. Wow. That started it. And what it did was, um, after that part of, of sin was removed, you know, after it was kind of pushed aside, I started getting this hunger for more of God. And there was some people that I met in college that talked about God, um, that just drew me even closer, but it turned from I wanting to do it for myself to I wanted to do it now to please God because I had given my life to Christ. Now yeah. I actually knew why it was wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's more than just, it's, it's not that God doesn't want you to enjoy yourself. It's that that thing, the strongholds that come with having sex before marriage and um, the bondage that it put me in, yeah. you know, yeah. in my mind, like, I was free from that. He wanted he wanted to replace that desire. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he wanted to be that one. Um, I fulfill that void that or that that thing mm-hmm. you know that you look for when you're um, when you're doing those doing things. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something that you're trying to feel. You know whether it's a love or affection or something like that and he's like no and plus i mean of course we know that sex is it's just without having the the safeguard of marriage it it can really take over your life and it's Mm -hmm. and it's just something that god's trying to protect us from you know suggesting that hey don't don't get involved in that before marriage because it's a little too much for you to handle outside of marriage right and you don't know that until true <laughs> you know until it hits you yeah yeah but i mean what you said is so correct like i didn't realize it was a void until um the night that well leading up to the night that i gave my life to christ and as you know but to share with the listeners like i gave my life to christ in my dorm room by myself mm-hmm. um but leading up to that moment um it was like god started revealing to me that there was a void in my life with just male relationships, period. Mm. And um, and he wanted to invade that void and fill it with his love. And that that's how his love drew me. Right. Um, so after I made that decision um, and then gave my life to Christ, and then now Christ became the anchor of that decision, yeah. um, I was able to, you know, by the grace of God, hold on to that for eight years, right? Um, year four, and you know about this story, <laughs> year four, 
I uh, so I had graduated, you know, moved moved to Georgia, everything, moved to Atlanta, and um, got. You know, it was I was still living the celibate life or whatever, but I met this guy and we got so close, mm-hmm. you know, like in the bed, butt naked. And it hit me so hard. I said, I cannot do this because I love Jesus more. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to go. And he looked at me like, are you serious? I'm like, absolutely. You know, so he got up, got his clothes on, left the house. And after he left my apartment, I fell to my knees Mm -hmm. and I cried. I cried not because I felt guilty, but I cried because I, I, it was like my heart was broken. Like, and it was a humble breaking because I realized in that moment, Tia, it is not by your strength that mm-hmm. you are living the celibate life. It is only by the strength of God that is keeping you. Yeah. And it humbled me because I would say the first four years, there was a sense of pride that I was like, you know, I'm saving myself. You know, I'm saving myself. Mm-hmm. And I was smelling myself while I was saying that. And then so when I had that moment of of humbleness, it it, man, I was like, okay. This is God keeping me. And it took my level of worship and my level of intimacy with God to a whole nother place. Yeah. Um, And in celibacy now, it just meant a whole nother thing to me on a whole nother level. So, and then when I met you, I listened. That Uh was like the first conversation we had. I don't go there. That's not what I do. (laughs) How did you feel about that when I said that to you? It's like, girl, what you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, because I mean, I was pretty much at that. At that same place, you know, I I don't have the glorious um, celibacy story that my wife may have. It, but that's no, right. there's no comparison. <laughs> no. Share your story, though. It is cool, but um, yeah, I um, I was got introduced to sex um, inappropriately at an early age. I was molested um, and you know violated sexually, um, so it it opened the door early for just per- perversion, perverted sexual immorality. Um, so there was always that, for a long time, there was that struggle um, with sex. Now, I I guess I've been more, I would say, um, circumstantial um, sexual person, kind of like you, like if the, if, if somebody said the right thing or if it was the right situation, it wasn't something that I just like chased after mm-hmm. or, you know, tried to make happen or whatever. Although at times I, I must say that there was, you know, some secret motive, but nothing that I ever tried to force on, you know, any woman or whatever. Um, so there was just years of that, years of this. And now I did give my life to the Lord at an early age as well. I mean, well, as well, but I did give my life to the Lord at an early age, but was just not prepared for the spiritual, um, for this attack, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that part of life that I would deal with, it was just that, you know, you, boy, you live right, that's nasty, you live right, mm-hmm. you know. How do you, you know, these are these are spirits that are attacking. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with this? Attacking and attaching. Yeah, and attaching. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Come on now. <laughs> um, so... You know, there's there were times where I was strong and I'm like resisting. There was actually a time where, you know, same thing like you, babe. 
um, in a situation with a girl and we're all getting all hot bothered and everything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, before, you know, before the, before it went too far, I was kind of like, I can't do this, yeah. you know? Um, and she wasn't happy about it cause she was ready to go and she had some words to say about it, but. Oh, well, boo. It there, don't matter now. There was that <laughs> sense of relief of like, wow, you know, almost, you know, but I didn't. And, um, but that's maybe a, a few times. Really <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the first time I heard that story. This oh, is well, good. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so we were talking about meeting when we met and how did I feel about that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've gone through so much and you know, I'm a Christian. So, I mean, I do love God. I don't want to dishonor him in that way. And so, you know, it just got to a point where, um, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And I think part of it too was just, you know, being exposed to so much sexual immorality. I was just ready to, you know, um, to just get right in that area. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, us, you know, being sexually involved was not, not a problem. That's something that I desired and something that, that you desired. So, yeah. So because of your past, it kind of, you kind of got pushed to a place of wanting to see sex in a pure way and the way that God ordained it to, which was through marriage, mm -hmm. which was, you know, like I said, purity, beautiful. But prior to all of that, because of all that you went through, it wasn't viewed that way. So would right. you say that that kind of pushed you to a place of celibacy? Because when I had met you, I think you had probably been celibate for about a year, if I remember. Whether it yeah, was a year or not, it's not going to ruin our marriage because we're already together now. But but I do remember that you had, you, had, you know, um, when you told me that, it was like, oh, wow. And I, it was such a blessing to me because I... I um, I had never really heard another guy, you know, say that he was living a celibate life. Yeah. Honestly, it wasn't too many people around me that was living a celibate life, especially we were in our 20s, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. But so but yeah. So when you had shared that with me that you were celibate for a year, you know, I was like, well, it ain't as long as it was. <laughs> it ain't long as it should be, but uh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take right. It. <laughs> Listen, I'll take it. I'll take it. No, you know, it's better but it was, than yeah, three yeah. months. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've been around and experienced, you know, I mean, there's the guys that are like, this is, this is a sport. That's never been my heart. It's always been more of a, like you said, spiritual battle. So I, I never really wanted to be that person or to, you know, get involved in that. It was just those, um, you know, feelings and things that you try to fight. Um, now, now, being a male in celibacy, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that it's different than females walking in celibacy, or, or maybe it's just I don't know. Is there, what do you think? Like, how was it for you? I guess we can only compare each other. Like, cause for me, like I said, I did have that slip up at year four, but for the most part, um, I really wasn't interested and mainly because I wanted to be married, but I also 
God started to replace such a desire. I just wanted more of him. I wanted to know who I was. It became more about my destiny and my purpose and knowing that what I did leading up to, you know, finding my find or not finding, but, you know, being in that place of destination that I was seeking for, which was to be a wife, which was to be a mom, like those things were actually the desires of my heart. Mm -hmm. So I knew that this journey of celibacy was so key to what, you know, I desired. Yeah. Um, But so it became easy for me besides that moment of temptation, it became easy for me to keep my eye on the prize, which was living a pure life. And I just wanted to please God. I mean, Mm -hmm. really the bottom line, like when that came out of my heart, I love Jesus more than, than anything you got to go. It really revealed to me like that really is the desire of my heart. I want to please God with my life. It became a act of worship for me. Um, And so, but for you, like, how was that year of celibacy? Like, what were your temptations or what were things that you had to fight off? Now, I also know that you were still like trying to get delivered from thoughts and habits and stuff that you, you know, struggled with due to your childhood. Yeah. Um, Well, during that year? Yeah. Like, how was it for you? It was, well... I mean, for me, you know, I I knew I was dealing with sexual immorality, and I didn't, if anything, I didn't want to necessarily drag other people into it. Hmm. So that's where, you know, whether it was, um, uh, what you call it, pornography, or me just self, you know, releasing myself. Um, stuff like that. Um, that way, it was just it was just me. It wasn't me involving somebody else as well into that. So there was still that that's that um, struggle, and that was the thing that I was wanting to get some deliverance from um, during that time. Were you drawn closer to God in that moment? I mean, that that now that was a year before I met you. And then there was like a, two more years or a year or whatever that you had to stay celibate with me. So you didn't want to bring anybody into it. And then we got we started having a relationship and now you got me and you're still having to deal with celibacy. So how did you as a man share how that was for you? Well, and I was pretty strong willed, so it was like, it ain't happening. (laughs) So, before you, it did begin to like subside. It was more like, I guess I would call them like relapses, Mm -hmm. you know, or just moments of weakness where, you know, man, you know, but so it it began to like subside. Um, um, And then, so meeting you, it it just kind of gave, extra reinforcement of mm. accountability and and so it it even lessened more than that i mean there's still thoughts there's you know there were still of course the enemy trying to you know have those thoughts or whatever or um there's still those moments but it, it just it just you know it, it felt like okay there's this extra accountability um but it just kind of gave me a little extra strength 
and gave me more of a reason to resist and, you know, say no to those thoughts and stuff. So it was it was helpful. What would you um, how could you encourage a man that is either praying about living a celibate life, desiring to walking in it? What would you say? Um, I would say that what really pretty much pushed me totally out of that um, struggle was the love of God. Um, I know that probably sounds like weird or something, but really the more I dug into his love for me and and me loving him, it became what, what my wife said early in our relationship was that, you know, like she loved God more than, than anything. And her love for God is what, you know, just, you know, that's, that's what kind of solidified it for her. And I began to grow in my knowledge of that love. I began to grow in that. And it, it just built this thing in me to where, like, I don't ever want to feel that guilt and shame. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to... um dishonor God in this way. I love him too much to do this. I love him too much to just follow that feeling and and, and stuff like that. Um, so that's what really like helped me. Another thing that I thought about was, I mean, when you get older too, you begin to kind of think like, okay, especially when you become a parent and you think about your daughter and then you ask yourself, okay, do I want you know, do I want a guy like me, you know, approaching my daughter? Mm-hmm. And that really just built up some, you know, that just ain't good, you know. So sometimes you got, you know, it may help to kind of think ahead like that. You may be in your teenage years or something. Um, That's good. Or, you know, in your 20s or whatever. But just think, think about that. Think about, okay, the way I'm being right now, what I want some knucklehead coming to my daughter <laughs> trying to get in her pants all the time would I want that Ooh. you know um that right there and I'm sure the mm-hmm. answer is no if you have any type of sanity <laughs> in your right. brain so if the answer is no then maybe it wouldn't be a good idea for you to you know invade somebody else's daughter like that that's good and you know become becomes somewhat of a, a memorial thing. You know, you'd be like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm playing with people's emotions. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get, secretly trying to get certain things out of that that aren't good, you know, or, you know, you don't want to be controlled by your feelings either. You want to think about that. Like, this is, you know, kind of understanding that this is this, this feeling, this lust, you know, do I want to be controlled by that and possibly, you know, put myself in, in not a good situation. Somebody get pregnant and you're on like 15, 20s, y'all not married, you know, um, you still trying to figure out your life and who you are. And, you know, it's like you may not really want to go down that road. So that's good. That's good. We're going to, um, so we have some small topics that we can talk about in celibacy. All right. Okay, so um, the first one, it says, understand why you want to take this vow before you do so. 
I think that's important to understand the why. I believe that you should know the why about everything that you do because mm. it's going to be the thing that will keep you grounded and keep you on task. You know, um, making that decision to save yourself um, for me was because of God. It was, well, not at first. At first, it was because I was tired of feeling guilty. But then after giving my life to Christ, it became about God. So that was my why. You know, your why was because you knew that there was so much um, impurity and immorality attached to anything sexual. And so you wanted God to deal with that and work that out of you. Um, You have to know your why. When When you're making a decision like this, you know that the enemy is going to try everything possible to get you to fail and then to get you to feel guilty. And then ultimately he's after your faith. So he'll do whatever and use whatever little trickery he can. Yeah. You know, the day you decide that you want to give, you know, I'm just going to be celibate and you don't have a why Mr. Fine going to walk by and then you, you know, and all of a sudden he ain't paid not a bit of attention to you every single day. You don't see him in office. And this particular day, after you decide to give yourself to celibacy, he wants to look at you and ask you out for lunch. You uh-huh. know, good and well, there ain't nothing but the devil. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to know your, your why because the enemy will try stuff like that um and you just got to be like no i know why i'm doing what i'm doing your why has to be stronger right than anything you yeah know? i think and it, you know setting setting those moral standards and and having those moral those moral standards um you know when you're a christian and you're desiring to you know live by the word of God, then there's the standards there and your desire and passion to have a standard for your life can give you the strength to resist um, those things that may, you know, those people that um, may try to come to you and draw you away from that. Mm -hmm. It's not just saying, okay, I'm going to abide by these rules, but no, I desire to have a standard for my life I desire to have morals for my life because I want my life to be great and I want my life to go somewhere and I don't want my life to be stuck by, you know, certain decisions that I might make. Or ties or spirits, because that is what happens. Like when you have a sexual relationship with somebody, there is an exchange of spirits and that person may be gone, but that spirit will still be lingering around. Yes. Even after you give your life to Christ, there's still some pulling of weeds and pulling of nonsense and letting go of baggage and all those strongholds you got to pull down. Yeah. My goodness. I mean, it, it really does do a damage in the spiritual that you don't see in the natural. That's true. And you may feel good in that natural, but years later, that feeling good, you going to pay the price for that down the road and it's not worth it. And that can be one of your whys. So if, and we can't, you know, no one can tell you the motive behind why you may want to live a celibate life, but you have to find it for yourself. And I think I love what you said is that having that standard or having that conviction, something that you feel strong about, stand on that because 
when the temptations come, because they're going to come. Um, another one of of because uh, I'm reading this list is like steps of celibacy. One of the other uh-huh. steps is avoid temptations. Okay. There's going to be times that you yes need to avoid temptations, but then there's going to be times that temptations are going to come. And the Bible talks about that. God will always give us a way of escape. But I believe God intentionally helps, um, reminds us of our why. So if you have your why, that's a good way of escape from your temptation. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, put it on your mirror, put it in your car, whatever it is, like declare it over you that I am doing this because blah, 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 blah. You know, so for you, it's it's wanting to have a better life. Um, For me, it's I, I mean, for me, it was wanting to have a better life, too, but also just wanting to please God. And so find your why of why you're doing it. Don't do it just because somebody says don't do it. Like mm-hmm. even listening to us, we may inspire you, but we ain't going to help you in the middle of temptation. You got to have that why for yourself. Yeah. And it's more like, like you said, babe, it's more than just following rules. Because if you look at it that way, we break them. We break rules. You yeah. can't see it as a rule. It has to be a conviction, a standard, it has to be a why. Um, another one says, meditate on this decision and don't be rash about it. I agree with that. Mm. Um, because if you make a decision, kind of just what I just said, I guess those two kind of go hand in hand. You don't just do it because, you know, it sounds cool in that moment or you want to feel super spiritual. Like you really have to meditate on it. It has to really come from deep within you. Like this is what I truly want to do. It's I get rooted deeper in you, right? Like you think about, let's say it's a celibacy seed, right? And you plant it. The deeper it goes, the more strong and sturdy it's going to be. Because the roots are going to continue to grow. Yes. Yeah. Let it grow deep. You know. Um, sometimes if it's just still on the surface, and that wind of temptation come, it can still you know, blow away or still find yourself, you know, bent into it. But the more deeper you get into it, the more that desire is cultivated in you, then you're going to stand strong and it'd be like, devil, you might as well try something else because uh, this ain't working. I love what I love you. what you just said. It kind of this is a word for somebody like. So let's say you made that decision and you have your why, but then temptation comes and you fall to it. Don't give up. Don't just be like, oh, well, I can't do this. No, keep doing it. Because what that is, is that seed is still growing. And, you know, you may bend for a little bit. You may like give in here. You may give in there. But I guarantee you, if you keep on that road of of celibacy and doing it for the right reason. Yeah. One day you're going to be like, huh, I was able to walk away from this or I'm not being tempted in this anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And it, that's how your roots get strong. That's how you get grounded in that. And so, if you need somebody for accountability, get them. So important. I think about, I'm thinking about our, our trees in our front yard and our trees have a stick hmm. that's, that is tied to because it probably has some, probably cause it's not strong enough to stand up on its that's own. Good. So the stick is, you know, in the ground and it's help keeping it strong. So that that's like that stick of accountability. Yes, boo. Come on now. Come on so, you through. Know, you feel like you need that if you're bending a little bit. Look to, at you, you know, smiling. Go ahead you feel good, don't you? Yeah, go ahead and get you an accountability <laughs> stick. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> While that seed is getting rooted. Yeah, that could be taken several ways. Just make sure it's a it's a person. You need to understand. I'm talking we about gotta a make tree. It, we got to make it plain, okay? <laughs> make it plain. All right. The accountability needs to be someone who is going to stand with you in your in your being planted in celibacy. Yes. yes. In your process of of growth and. Amen. 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 All right. Um, another one is be sure to tell everyone around you that you are taking this vow of celibacy. You cannot be shameful about taking this stand. True. I don't care how unpopular it may be. Listen, your story is going to be for somebody else because there's going to be somebody else that you're going to come in contact with who is desiring to live a celibate life. And you never know what your obedience, what's on the other side of your obedience. And so you can't be ashamed to share it. And I, I don't, I mean, I know just we live in, in a, around a lot of Christians and in the Christian world. So celibacy is, I, was, I don't know if it's popular, but... It's the thing to do. But living in the world, like for me, I made that decision before I gave my life to Christ. And I had to be very confident in the decision that I made. And I had to tell the person that needed to hear it and anybody who came after him that this is the lifestyle that I'm living. And I was not ashamed. I Mm -hmm. knew that it may come with some persecution. I knew that it may come with some judgment and people dropping off and, you know, whatever, but I didn't care. And I feel like I reaped the benefit of that obedience. You know, it took me eight years though. I mean, there were times that I wanted to be married and I'm like, this is this eight years. I mean, my son is our son. Our son is eight. You know what I mean? Like, that's a long time. That's a long time. time. That's a long time. Especially in the being young. For real. In my 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That was hard. That. Yes, it was. It wasn't the not not the sexual temptation part. It wasn't hard because I already talked about that. How I I just um, really clung to God in that moment and yeah. built my relationship with Him. But the promise, waiting on the promise, is yeah. what got hard. Waiting on, I mean, going home time after time. I mean, people were starting to get married now. You know, like yeah. around that twenty five, twenty six mark. You know, everybody mm-hmm. around me got a boo, getting married, about right. to have kids, blah blah blah. And I'm like, still just waiting on my promise. And but the thing that helped me was like, God, I I know that this life of celibacy and this life of obedience, I know it's going to reap a great harvest. And now I look at you and I look at my children, our children, and I'm so used to saying my, cause there's, I normally don't have guests who have my share children my children. <laughs> I know. Uh, so <laughs> our children and I see the reward in that and just the blessing of that. And it makes me very grateful. And so, um, don't be ashamed to tell that, you know, this is the life that I'm living. Yeah. And believe in the promise, believe that something great is on the other side of it. And don't, don't uh, get weary in doing good. You know, you will reap a harvest if you faint not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, that ministered to me. I'm in a whole different place right now. (laughs) Not really in celibacy, but just in my life. That That's so good. Anyway, we're going to stay on track. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, We already talked about avoiding temptations. You got anything to say about any of that? Uh, No. Okay. You said it all. All right. (laughs) 
Um, and then practice makes perfect. So, and we talked about that too, that you, you may, you may not get it right. It may take some time. Um, I think it, it depends on, uh, cause there were some people like for me, I got saved and immediately the Holy Spirit took certain tastes out of my mouth, but I know that didn't, but that wasn't with everything. So maybe the taste buds he takes out of my mouth is not what he's going to take out of somebody else's. And so, you know, yeah, there's like, um, there's the, just like you said, sometimes it happens like right away for people. But I love how the Bible also refers, makes this reference to remission of sin. Hmm. And talk about it, babe. Remission is like a, it's a, um, it's like a, a doctor term for like when you're in remission, it's a process hmm. of of healing or a process of recovery. So some for some people. It becomes that process. And I love because, you know, the Bible, you know, it, it gives kind of both. Yeah. Like for some people it's just boom, but for some people there's this remission of sin that he's, you know, um, putting a remission, you're going through the a process. remission process mm-hmm. of getting out or getting delivered yeah. or getting, you know, your your healing from, from whatever, I mean, from that thing. So... Well, and also being refined, you know, like it reminds me of because I was I was in my prayer time earlier this week and just praying about uh, a certain thing and trying to figure out, OK, God, I just felt like there was a, a word, just one word that God wanted me to like focus on. And it was being refined. Yeah. And it's like after you receive Christ, um, he refines you. What does that mean? He's taking the impurities out of you through a process. Yeah. You know, so knowing that the process is not there to hurt you, to destroy you, it's there to refine you, it's there to make you more like him. And and so certain things may have left your life. And that's what I had to learn about me, because when I got saved, I mean, he took just alcohol and partying and sex, like took those things out of my mouth. Um, and so then when the other things that were in the remission process uh-huh. or in the refining process, you know, I didn't, I, I thought, well, all those other things left. So why didn't these things leave? Right. And then you kind of like start feeling guilty and you start like, well, God, why aren't you? And it's, it's a process. Like yeah. there's certain things that I believe sometimes God looks and says, Mm, that right there, yeah, that's real deep. Yeah, but I'm gonna get some glory out of this. So we mm-hmm. gonna we gonna I'm not gonna just immediately remove that. We gonna work. I'm gonna do some work. I'm gonna show you who yeah. I am through this. I'm gonna pull a little bit. It's gonna hurt a little bit, but uh-huh. I'm gonna shape and I'm gonna refine you. I'm gonna mold you, and you're still gonna be there. You're gonna wonder why it's still there, but I got you. And yeah. in that process, you're learning him more. You're learning your Creator more. Your love is growing for Him more. And so we we sometimes look at this thing is still in me. This thing is still lingering around and we look at it as something bad. But he's actually using it for our good. That movie we watched, the wrinkle in time. Oh, yeah. He, so it was like the, the girl in wrinkle in time, like one of the gifts was her faults. Right. Oh, come on. Yeah. That was good, right? And so it's like her faults were actually the thing that was used to bring light. So God is using your fault. He may use that thing in you that you may see as bad, but he's going to use that to bring light out of you, to make you more like him. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, Come through, come through. That was good, Lord. That was good. Yes. 
Oh, and to to piggyback off of um, you know, some things are weeds. Yes. Some things are oak trees. Mm. Okay. Some things are like for me, you know, if it's like alcohol or smoking, okay. Right. As a weed, that's, that's a that's, weed. That's, you can pull it. But some things are rooted so deep. Think about if you're trying to cut down an oak tree, you can't just cut down an oak tree. Right. You have to like. There's a you process. You got to trim the. You got to cut it branch by branch. Because if you don't, a branch can go fly on somebody's property and hurt somebody yeah, else. Yeah, it can mm-hmm. destroy what's around you. People who are close to you. Yes. People who are around you. Mm-hmm. You have to like strategically cut the branches off, cut it down. Then you have to like. Dig, dig the root, and he started digging that big old root out. Sometimes mm-hmm. the root is spread yep. so far, and then you got this big hole, then he has to fill it. That's so good, I mean, Jeff. it's, you know, some, some things are like that. Yeah, yes, and they don't feel good. No. And we wonder why he can't just come and chop it down. We want him to. We'd be like, can you just take this, Lord? I want to be over it. It's when, it's, it's when he gets to that root, too, like. You know, maybe he's cutting down the branches and certain things are like, okay, this 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 temptation kind of popped up, but psh, that wasn't nothing. Mm-hmm. I got past that. Or I got past that branch, got past that branch. And then you get hit with something. Okay, it's not, now it's time for the roots. And it's like, oh, and then something just hurt really. And then you just feel like empty. Yeah. And then he feels it. That's so good. That's so good. Mm. And then you're like totally like, like for me, his love filled the void. The, the void, the and, and that's what really like is like all this time. I'm just kind of thinking about the 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 process now. Of I feel like that's what he was doing in my life. That's good, you know. And um, once his love filled that hole, and he got all the roots out, and he filled it, then it was like complete. Yeah, it was like I don't, you know, the if, flowers started to grow, which is me. Oh, come on now, <laughs> my flower. So, yeah, so when the inappropriate stuff start coming on the TV, it's like, I don't want to watch that. You know, I don't want to see that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When when Susie walking down the street with her belly half <laughs> hanging out, you know, it's like, I want to see that. Uh, bye, Susie. <laughs> bye, Susie. <laughs> so, yeah, be aware of the some things. It may just be you're in the process. You're in the remission. Yes. You and know. it's not just gonna stop there. There's gonna be another oak tree. Now maybe pride or maybe your attitude or whatever it is. But yeah, that's yeah. I love that. Well, guys, um, all right. Well, we're gonna move into encouragement. My hubby is gonna stay around. All right, I'm sticking around. He encouraged me this morning. Yes, he did. So my encouragement today is literally off the top of my head. I hadn't really planned it there because um, and you can kind of chime in on this. Just it's sometimes hard to encourage when you feel so discouraged, disappointment, um, which kind of I guess it kind of tags into what we were just recently talking about. Like when you live, when you try to do something right. You're trying to believe God for something. We just heard such an amazing message yesterday. Oh, man. Oh, it was so good. Pastor Craig Rochelle. Oh, yes. Read Habakkuk. Yeah, so, so good. I'm not going to preach his message, but um, he hit me right where I've been sitting, literally. Just 
um, in, in disappointment and how do you encourage when you're disappointed? How do you keep going when you're disappointed or the celibate life? You know, when you, you've gone so far and then you fall and you're disappointed or you're just waiting on the promise. And, um, I believe that having somebody around you that can encourage you to hold your arms up, to be, you know, that accountability partner, um, and pour into you is God's way of showing that he's still, he's still there. His presence uh-huh. is still around, you know? And so I guess, I don't know, like I said, I haven't really planned the encouragement, but you're here and I keep hearing, let's dig a little bit deeper in that accountability and how, how important it is to have that and how that can be God just pushing you along your way, keeping you on your path. Because I have really been struggling with wanting to give up and yeah. feeling like I'm not good enough and feeling like that I've, you know, I'm I'm just, I failed at this or I'm believing God for this. I woke up this morning and I heard three, three or four different words from four different people about God's favor is going to come upon you. And so he has his way of, of encouraging you, but it was when you, babe, spoke into me this morning that... I heard God through your encouragement. Um, and and sometimes if you are an encourager, and I believe it's good to encourage yourself, yeah. but sometimes you're just so low that you need someone else to pour into you, into that encouragement. Um, and we have talked about how I'm normally the encourager. Yeah, you're a great <laughs> encourager, actually. Yeah, um, but this morning... The, it rose in you to encourage me. And so I guess I'm saying that if you are in a season where you feel discouraged and you feel disappointed, um, the best way to combat that is to have someone around you that can speak into that gift, that can speak life into your purpose. And it's kind of like I said, even with celibacy or it can be anything like share what what it is that you feel God is calling you to do, share it with someone that you trust in. Yeah. Um, so when you are at your lowest point or if you are just feeling like defeated and you are feeling discouraged, I believe God is going to use that person to pour into you and to help you keep going. Right. Right. You know, and that's what we do for each other. Um, but if you keep it to yourself and you don't share what God is putting on your heart to do, Um, I I mean, I I do believe you can hide certain things in your heart. Like I think about Mary, you know, she hid it in her heart that what the angel had told her that she was going to have Jesus. But but then she shared it. Yeah. She shared it with Joseph. Shared it with Joseph. And she also um, she went she stayed with Elizabeth. Elizabeth. I remember if it was her cousin. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. But um, who was carrying John. Right. Mm hmm. It was somebody who could understand where she's coming from because um, I think was John born already, but he pretty much they was pretty much in the exact same thing. Yeah, supernatural um, childbirth. Well, because John and Jesus talked in the womb. That's right, they mm-hmm. were in the womb, so she was still pregnant with him. Yeah, um, but they were going through the same thing. Yeah, and so she connected with somebody that understood because yes. who's going to understand that right like i just can't well go. and joseph didn't at first right but it was a good thing that she shared with him because then it was like then god god handled it god talked to him and right. got him on the same page and that's see that's you know that's something that i pray about like you know um 
I want to be, God, give me if my wife is facing something and, you know, uh, help me to speak into that. Help me to minister to my wife. Give me what to say or, you know, give me insight into whatever may be going on, you know, if we face something like that. Because, yeah. you know, you, you want God to be able to, you want God to speak through you. Right. Because um, you could say something that will totally destroy your partner. Um, or destroy our hopes. Mm -hmm. Like there was, um, you know, and, and I've almost done it several times. You know, I think about the other day um, where you like, um, you brought this idea to me that you wanted to do. And I'm just like, well, I don't know, you know, oh, what yeah. about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? That's probably three. Like It was the ministry of the what about. <laughs> the what about. <laughs> so that will kill a dream. <laughs> yeah. So, <you> know. uh, <laughs> and, and, Norm, and you know what? Side note. So, yeah, you did that. And normally I would have this thing got nothing to do with what we talking about. But I just need to go ahead and put this out there. Normally, I think I would have responded like with an attitude and blah, 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 blah. Uh -huh. But I actually came upstairs and I sat and I was I was hurt by it. You know what I mean? Like okay. I, and I kind of sat in it um, and God then put it on your heart to come upstairs and. Share, you know, babe, I'm sorry I did that. I support whatever God has put on your heart to do. Mm -hmm. And then you started to encourage me. My, so I actually thought this was irrelevant, but there is actually a point to this. Yeah. Um, in that moment, instead of me trying to take over and try to make you see or trying to make you encourage me, trying to make you push me forward, I let God do that. You know, like I stepped away and just said, okay. God, I'm just going to come to you and and not try to make my husband see, not trying to make him whatever. And then God put it on your heart. So it was kind of, yeah. we were Mary and Joseph <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes. But yeah, I'm saying, you know, sometimes you can say things that will discourage, you know, your, your, your partner, mm -hmm. your wife, um, your partner. And so that's what, you know, you, you try to avoid. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. Um, but so, yeah, tell I, I think it's so important to um, share the things that God has put on your heart with those that you trust. Yeah. Um, and know that when you get into that season uh, or that moment of discouragement where you want to give up, I believe God is going to raise that person up and use that person, even if you're like, you know, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be for this or because like that day that I did bring an idea to to Jeff, um, I knew I know that he's a blue personality wise. He's mm -hmm. very analytical. And, you know, well, this this how's this dot going to connect to this dot? And how sure. well, how are we going to do that? And this needs to be turned this way. But like he just gets all into the details and it can it can drive me crazy. Um but I trust him. I trust the God in him. So his fleshly personality can sometimes get on my nerves, mm -hmm. but the God in him. And so I still shared it with him and God then touched him and he came up into the room and he encouraged me and he told me to keep going and poured into me and said, I trust the God in you. And I believe whatever God has put on your heart to do. And it, it helped 
push me forward. So that's important. Don't feel like that you have to carry all this by yourself and uh, feel like that nobody is around you to encourage you. First of all, share it. Have that person, tell that person, and trust that God is going to use that person to push you forward and to help you accomplish the dream and the thing that you want or the thing that God put in your heart. It will come to pass and he will use those people around you. But it's so important to have accountability, even in encouragement. Yeah. Even when you feel discouraged, God can use those people or that person and know that it's a part of the process. Sure. It's a part of it. Right. Every time. No, you're not. I mean, I think the Oak tree is just, I mean, that was perfect. That pretty much is the state. I should call the episode Oak tree, (laughs) but then a lot of people will be like, I'm not interested in Oak trees. I don't need to (laughs) listen to this one. This is no, you know, but Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's the process. It's all about the process. So in your celibate walk, um, in your dreams, in your marriage, have that accountability partner. Um, and when you cannot encourage yourself, then know that God will use those those people around you to help you. Yeah. You got anything else to say about that? I do not. Are we ready to talk about some food? Mm. All right. So we're getting into the dinner. All right. So this actually, you can eat it with a main dish. It's actually not like a whole dinner, but is that the entree. No, it's the side dish. No, the side dish. Sorry. So yeah. the entree is the main dish, part. The the side dish. So anyway. Okay, um, yeah, I got it. So the side dish for today is greens. Mm. Yes. Your greens are good. You gonna cook them tonight? No. Oh, <laughs> I mean, if I if I had everything in the refrigerator, I could. But no. But we are going to um, share the recipe with the listeners. Wait, is this the uh, glory to glory greens? These are not glory <laughs> greens. No, They're... not glory greens. From glory to glory. Oh, See, the ones that the you next have. Next level of glory. Okay. See? Yes, those are. So, I mean. Y- Listen, I'm glad he's here because actually my, I always like have to talk about my food by myself. So actually now I have some reinforcements. Uh-huh. So remember, see, I got to watch you because I'll be like, remember when we had blah, blah, blah. You'd be like, uh, I don't remember. No. <laughs> okay. It was not too long ago. Okay. Thanksgiving and Christmas, we had greens. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. Were they good? Yeah. Everything was good. Okay. <laughs> Are they worthy to be on the podcast? Yes. It would be a I need you to put treat. a little bit more excitement in your voice. Yes, those greens were amazing. That's all we get, folks. Yes. A little bit higher. Come on. Oh, we had that had that um had that turkey well, had that meat that uh tail, that turkey, turkey tail. tail. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Turkey tail. There we go. I was like, you're not, it's not coming together. You can't have greens without the turkey tail. Some people do. Some people put ham hocks. Yeah, but it ain't, it ain't right. Well, turkey tails are in the recipe. Okay. I'm going to try to remember all of this. I hope I got it all together. Um, Okay. So your ingredients are, so with these, with these greens, I did them twice. Okay. The first time I did uh, mustard, turnips, and collards. Mm. And then the second time I did mustards and kale. Did I have turnips in that one? Anyway. I remember the first one because I was doing 
a lot of cutting. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, fellas, I suggest that you uh, try to find some reason to not be in the kitchen. Hey, <laughs> they need help. What, what? They should be cooking, too. You're talking about fell- fellas. That's some work. Okay. No, it's all good. Help, 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 help out in the kitchen. Yes. Help if you can kitchen. cook, cook the food. Mm-hmm. This is not just for the ladies. This is for men too. So once, once I give you this recipe, you can make the greens tonight if you want to. Okay. So the ingredients you can either do, um, you can do the mixture. So if you want to do collards by themselves, any of these by themselves, or you can do the collards, mustards, turnips, or kale collard combination there's so many combinations and yeah. i suggest i'm um, probably half of y'all already know your favorite combination i love greens period so i really don't care mm-hmm. i don't but because they're all good and i'm gonna try to not get tempted to go to the grocery store after this and go get some because it does take some work yeah but we're not gonna do that tonight okay well it does take work so you're gonna have your greens um not I'm going to say this, not in the bag. I just, I don't know. The greens that fresh are already, greens. yeah, the fresh ones. Because yeah. the ones in the bag just, mm, I mean, they're all right. I I think, see, what I do is like when I, when we wash the greens, I, you know, and cut them, I like cut a little bit of the stem. And I think the ones in the bag like have the big old fat stems in them. Mm. So they're just different. Yeah. Fresh greens. Uh, bacon, real Bacon. Yes, that makes grease. Um, minced garlic, the turkey tail, broth. You're gonna need five cups of broth. What kind of broth? Chicken. Thank you. Chicken broth. Gotcha. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> See the blues coming out. Um, white onion, or yeah, I don't think I do white. I don't think I've ever done like the yellow onion because it brings a little bit more sweetness. So mm-hmm. do white onion. Um, and I say like a half cup of white onion, um, one tablespoon of red pepper flakes for your heat. Mm. That is very important. Uh-huh. Yes. Gotta have a little kick too. Gotta have a little bit of kick. Um, Lowry seasoning salt. Makes everything better. I cannot give you a measurement. You really just have to. Season the taste. Yes, Absolutely. That, you know, that's my thing. And then kosher, <laughs> kosher salt and pepper. Um, and that is also... Season to taste. Yes, yes. Okay, so the greens, how much? I, like, got about two bundles each, so it was a lot of greens. I mean, we had a lot of people over, so you just kind of... Yeah, that's like, like Thanksgiving, so... I know, like... Get a bundle, try it out. A bundle? A piece. Yeah, a bundle apiece. So, yeah. well, if you're only going with two tif- two different type of greens, then you need to get two of each, I think. Okay. Well, I think. Because you have enough for the week. Y- you're going to want leftovers. There you go. Oh, they're better the second day anyway. Absolutely they are because they sit in the seasoning. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Y'all ready? We're going to get to it and we're going to let y'all go. All right. The greens. What you're going to do is you're going to clean them. Um, You can go on YouTube and learn how to clean your greens if you don't know how. Um, I can't remember who we watched, but there was this one lady who gave us the whole... um, Vinegar. Vinegar. What's that stuff called? Uh, I can't remember. The peroxide. Vinegar peroxide mix. And she gave a measurement. And it was kind of cool because, like, it left the water. Like, you can tell that it was taking off the impurities of the greens. 
they were they were good i think they made them just a lot fresher but uh, go on YouTube and find a way how to clean your greens. If you don't know how to clean them, I don't suggest just dipping them in water because some some of the leaves like have dirt and stuff on them. But you can go on YouTube for that. Um, so after you clean your greens, uh, you can also I think you can also learn how to cut your greens on you. You can go on YouTube and learn everything. You Pretty shoot. Much. You can go on YouTube and just learn how to cook these greens, and I could just go. But I'm gonna tell y'all. YouTube University. Yes. Um, so clean and cut your greens. Then you're going to cook bacon like you would in a skillet and leave the bacon grease and take the bacon out. I would say maybe five strips of bacon. Don't eat them, okay? Um, <laughs> you need them. You need them. Yes, you do need them. Um, after you take the bacon off, leave the grease in the pan and go ahead and um, crumble your bacon. You know, just cut them into little pieces and set them aside. That bacon grease that's in the pan, add two tablespoons of minced garlic and saute until they become the garlic becomes light brown. After you have done that, you are going to get a pot and put five cups of chicken broth in there. Add that glorious turkey tail that's in the refrigerator. Do not add it frozen. Please don't, don't freeze it. I just say just keep it in the refrigerator. Um, so add the turkey tail. Add your bacon, add your bacon grease and the minced garlic, and add your onions, and cover the pot and simmer for 30 minutes. And get ready, because the house is about to smell glorious. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> all right, so um, after it has simmered for 30 minutes, now you're going to add all your greens into the pot. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're going you're gonna to be like, the measurement of greens don't equal the pot. Don't fret, don't fear, my dear. Because once you put the greens into the pot, you just smash it down and like like get them under the water. Mm -hmm. You know, like you do when you wash the clothes, you just stuff the clothes in them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was so random. Anyway, uh, stuff the greens in the pot and they'll start to um, cook down. So put them in there, turn up the heat and cook like turn up the heat to like medium medium high whatever and then cook for another 30 minutes um so like i said the liquid should cook down and so once you open the pot after that the greens um they should all be able to be comfortably swimming in the glorious juices of turkey tail bacon garlic and onion <clears throat> okay after you've done that now you can reduce your heat to simmer and now you add your seasonings so I gotta be honest, I really, I really don't have to add too much seasonings. I'm wondering because with the, like the turkey tail, if there's mm -hmm. like some extra salt in there, there might Probably. be the salt from the bacon maybe. Um, it's already gonna be nice and seasoned. So yeah. you're not gonna Maybe need, take a taste first. Take a taste first. I definitely say add the red pepper flakes cause you're gonna want some kick. Mm -hmm. If you're like us, we gotta have just a little bit of kick. If you want extra kick, you can add more. Um, a little bit of Lowry's, a um, little bit of pepper. Like you will, you won't need much seasoning for it because they're going to be so good and they're going to be so fresh. Yeah. Um, and after you let, I say let them simmer for maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe an extra 30 minutes just to kind of sit in the extra seasonings that you put in there. And then it, it's you can eat. So mm. good. You sure so you don't good. want, you sure you don't want greens? Oh, uh... 
starting to I'm starting to want some. I mean, listen, I got chicken down there. I'm about to go make some chicken, and we could have some greens. I know, and... but I gotta go to work tomorrow. <laughs> greens should be making <laughs> you tired. No, it just takes so long. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they do. Honestly, so what we did for, well, at least for Thanksgiving, is we cleaned the greens the day before. Right. Remember? So we cleaned, well, we cleaned them, we cut them, and then I put them in a Ziploc bag, and then they were in the refrigerator. So then the next day, the day that it was time to cook them, all I had to do was pull them bad boys out and stick them right. in the water. So I do, that's a good point. I think it should be a two-day process. Unless you have a lot of helping hands in the kitchen, mm-hmm. um, two days will probably be better. But it they don't take long to cook, and they're going to make your house smell amazing, and they are going to bless your soul like everything I give you on here. And I'm saying <laughs> that with humbleness. I mean, I could, I can co-sign on that. It's been a blessing to my belly. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, well, guys, thank you for hanging with Jeff and Tia today. Yes, Did thank you? you. Glad to be a part. Yeah. So we're going to have we're going to have him come and take over uh, the Jeff and Tia takeover ah. more often. This is really fun. And I hope that we have encouraged you in your celibate walk if you're doing celibacy. And if you're not, whatever you can, you can replace celibacy with anything, you know, whatever it is that uh, you feel God. I want you to submit to and be dedicated to for the kingdom. Just do it. Do it. Have a why behind it. Your dreams, parenting, marriage, whatever it is. Have a why behind why you're doing it. Make sure you have accountability and continue to keep pressing forward. And until next time, have a good week.